Lord, we love, we love you, Lord. We love the fact that you are, you are the God who, who chases us down in a good way, God. You're the God who nothing would get in your way of rescuing us, Lord. Uh, no, no storms, no distance, no circumstances can keep you from, uh, from pursuing us because of your love, God. And we, you did that on the cross through, through your son Jesus, and we are just grateful. And Lord, thank you for um, uh, allowing us to gather together. We pray your blessing on our time together. Would you speak uh, through your word to us, God? Would you um, uh, be with those who obviously aren't here today uh, for whatever reason and bless them as well? Um, just bless this time. And Lord, I, I just pray as you, as you told Jeremiah, um, I will put my words in your mouth. And that is my prayer. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, so we are, um, if you want to put the, um, the lights on so everyone can see. So we've been going through the book of Ephesians. Uh, we're almost done with it. Uh, and we're sort of like in the last few verses. But we're not going to go to Ephesians today. So <laughs> this feeling led to do something different than Ephesians, which is okay. You know, God's, God, God is good. Um, uh, I was uh, out of town last week at a, um, a, a friend of mine's a pastor in, in New Orleans and I'm on his board, of, and so we had some meetings and so they're kind of important, but um, they also have a small fel- fellowship as well, and just the, the sweetness of being in a fellowship where you can know, know everyone's name and, and, and love on one another is just a, it's a beautiful thing, so very grateful. Um, we're going to do something different, and, and <clears throat> How many of you guys um, watch, well, watch the news or, well, I don't watch the news anymore. <laughs> How many of you guys have stopped watching the news? <laughs> I, I, yeah. Okay. Um, uh, there's, there's uh, I, I stopped watching the news too for whatever reason. I just, you know. Um, there's uh, a question I, that I, I want to sort of answer, and it's, um, it has to do with a couple things. I just read about um, a young pastor in California who took his own life. Uh, he was a, a dad with a couple young kids, and uh, our heart goes out and prayers go out to them and his family. And my, I was like, well, what would lead a person to, could do do that? You know, um, evidently he was struggling with some things, and so, um, and so I am sort of curious on the question: what what leads a person to sort of give up hope? You know. And then I have some other people I know that are going through hard times and they're kind of like hanging about a thread, on a thread, you know, and they're wondering where God is at. Have you guys ever been that in your life where you've sort of, <laughs> like, look, I'm a believer, but I'm starting to, I'm starting to slip here, Lord, right? Um, you know, what, what, what brings a person to the point of hopelessness um, where they give up or where they just think that God has given up on them, you know? Um, and so there's a, there's a scripture that, that I sort of want, there's a lot of scripture, that's, you know, there's a, there's a story in the Bible that I kind of want to go to, and it's kind of long, but I don't know, that's okay with me, because I, I, I want you to, to go to um, the book of Isaiah, and I want you to go to chapter 36, and there's an account of a scene in Israel's history uh, where Israel was faced with a... Um, with a threat that led them sort of to give up hope. Um, Isaiah chapter 36. Um, Isaiah is, or uh, Isaiah is, is, is um, uh, this is about the 8th century B.C., and Israel, at this point, Israel was a split nation, and it split into two between Israel, which was the ten northern tribes, and Judah and Benjamin, the two southern tribes, called Judah. Or At this point in their history, Israel, the northern tribe, has already been taken by the Assyrians. Uh, that happened in about 722 B.C. Um, this is the year 701 B.C. And Judah is now faced with threats from Assyria, which was the dominant world power the Assyrians. And it says in uh, verse 1, it says, Now it came about in the 14th year of 
King Hezekiah, that Sennacherib, king of Assyria, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and seized them. And the king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to Jerusalem to King Hezekiah with a large army. And he stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway of the fuller's field. Then Eliakim, the son of Hilkiah, who was over the household, and Shebna, these are great names, you know, if you're looking for names for your kids, you know, someday. <laughs> What's his name? His name shall be Shebna. Is that a girl name or boy name? I don't know. <laughs> Shebna. Shebna the scribe and Joah, uh, the son of Asaph, the recorder, came out to him. Then Rabshakeh, that's the spokesman of the Assyrians. So here's the scene. The Assyrians are coming up and they're taking over all these cities of Judah except for Jerusalem. They're surrounding Jerusalem and now they're, meeting, they're sending their uh, spokesman to speak with Hezekiah's spokesman to talk terms. Hey, listen, it's time to give up, right? Then Rabshakeh, he's the Assyrian, said to them, Say now to Hezekiah, thus says the great king, the king of Assyria, what is this confidence that you have? I say, your counsel and strength for the war are only empty words. Now on whom do you rely that you have rebelled against me? This is a Syrian king saying, hey, listen, what are you relying on? Why are you rebelling? Why even, why even put up resistance? We took over Israel. We took over all the surrounding uh, cities of Judah, and you're next. Behold, you rely on the staff of the crushed reed, reed, even Egypt, on which if a man leaves, uh, leans, it will go into his hand and pierce. In other words, you guys are trusting that Egypt's going to help you, it's going to hurt you. It's only going to hurt you. They're not going to help you, and you're going to get damaged because of it. But if you say to me, we trust in the Lord our God. Now, this is the, this is the king's spokesman. The king of Assyria spoke and said, hey, if you tell me that you're trusting in God, then tell, let me tell you something. Is it not he whose high places and whose altars Hezekiah has taken away? He's looking. Wait, from my standpoint, you've offended your God because you've taken his high places, that was places of worship, away. Certainly your God, the God of Israel and Judah or whatever, is mad at you because King Hezekiah, whom you serve, has taken away his high places. And he has said to Judah and to Jerusalem, you shall worship before this altar, like here in Jerusalem. Temple Mount. Now therefore, come make a bargain with my master, the king of Assyria, and I will give you 2,000 horses if you're able on your part to set riders on them. He's taunting him. He says, listen, hey, listen, I'll give you some horses, and hopefully you can find 2,000 guys that are willing and able to ride those horses, but I don't think you can because you're weak, and you're relying on God. He's mad at you. You rely on Egypt. They're not going to help you. Hey, and guess what? We're Assyria. How then can you re, how, verse nine? How then can you repulse one official of the least of my master's servants and rely on Egypt for chariots and for horsemen? And have I now come up without the Lord's approval against this land to destroy it? The Lord said to me, "Go up to this land and destroy it." Now here's the king of Assyria saying, "Now actually, the Lord told me to come up here and destroy you guys." Not exactly right, because God actually did sell the Assyrians to go up, but then He says, "You guys went too far, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna." take you back and give you a little spanking <laughs> in so many words. Then Eliakim and Shebna and Joah said to Rabshakeh, speak now to your servants in Aramaic, for we understand it. Aramaic was the trade language. It's very similar to Hebrew. And do not speak as in Judean or Hebrew uh, in, in the hearing of the people who were on the wall. In other words, hey, listen, guys, can we change the language? Because the people around us can understand Hebrew Let's speak Aramaic so they don't hear and get afraid because, you know, that's, that's what they do. Don't they do it in Washington, D.C. or some political places? They kind of go behind closed doors so that people don't get freaked out, right? Anyway, so he's like this change. And so he's like, um, but Rapshika said, has my master sent me only to your master, to you to speak these words and not to the men who sit on the wall? In other words, I'm giving this message to your master, King Hezekiah, so that these people eventually should be able to hear it. And not to, the, uh, not to the men who sit on the wall who, do, who are doomed to, to eat their own dung and drink their own urine with you. No, as these men ought to know that they're in for a hard time. It's going to be so bad, there's going to be no food, they're going to have to eat their, you know, you fill in the blank, right? Then Rapshakeh stood and cried out in the loud voice in Judean, that's Hebrew, 
and said, now, the, now he's speaking to the people there. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. So here's the king of Assyria, his spokesman, now speaking to the Israelites, the Judeans, and say, hey, don't listen to Hezekiah, your king. He's not going to be able to help you. This guy's bold, isn't he? <laughs> He's got a lot of gall, doesn't he? You know? Don't let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to de- deliver you. Nor let Hezekiah make you trust in the Lord, saying, The Lord will surely deliver us. This city shall not be given to the hand of the king of history. And I don't trust Hezekiah. He's going to tell you, trust the Lord. God's not going to help you. Hezekiah's not going to help you. Nobody's going to help you. Sorry, God sent us. End of story. Going back, right? Do not listen to Hezekiah, for thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me, and each of us, and each of his vine, and each of his fig tree, and, uh, and drink each of his own waters from his own cistern. In other words, hey, if you guys listen to me, you'll be able to keep your stuff, your fig trees, your wine, your wine presses, your, you know, you get, you know, the, you get the scene, right? It'll go well with you. Oh, you know, it's just going to be a short vacation, you know, I'm not trying to sell you a timeshare. It's going to be okay. You'll get to keep your stuff. Until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and new wine, a land of bread and vineyards. You see, he's trying to sell the people on, hey, don't trust the Lord, don't trust Hezekiah. Hey, listen to us, and we're going to take you away to a nice land where you can just live happy ever after. Now, the Assyrians, by the way, didn't do that. The Assyrians, what they would do is they would take you out of your land, it would separate you from your people and they would transplant you in other parts of their empire so that you wouldn't have revolts because if you're with people who don't speak your language, how can you gather enough people to revolt, right? Very smart, those people were. And they were cruel. The Assyrians were cruel. They would take you away with hooks in your mouth, you know, lead you away, you know, like that, you know, and they would, they would so dehumanize you. Of course, now when you're a hard place, sometimes you'll listen to things, right, won't you? Sometimes when you're in a hard place, you'll listen to anything. You'll start believing the, well, you know, maybe he's got a point. Oh, honey, let's go look up Assyria and see what it's like in the summertime. Are there beaches we can go to? See, the enemy does that to us, doesn't he? When, when things don't go the way we go according to plan, the way we think God ought to lead our lives, we start listening like, hey, you know, maybe we start giving that a little bit of a, hmm, maybe, well, maybe he's got a point. Maybe that tree is actually it's good for food and good to eat and Maybe we should do that, right? Verse 18, Beware lest Hezekiah misleads you, saying, The Lord will deliver us. Now here's the king of Assyria. His spokesman saying, Hey, listen, if Hezekiah says, The Lord will deliver you, here's my response to you. Has any of the gods of the nations delivered his land from the hand of the king of Assyria? In other words, all the nations we took over, none of their gods stopped us. And we took over a lot of nations, and none of their gods were part of You think your God is going to... Just, that's just one more God. And he's mad at you because you took down the high towers, and he's not strong enough. He's going to save... He the rest of Judah's gone. Israel's gone, Judah's gone, and Jerusalem's what's left. You're hanging by a, thro- by a, by a thread. There's no hope for you guys, and God's not on your side. Who among these gods of uh, these lands have delivered their land from my hands that the Lord should deliver Jerusalem from my hand? Now, if that's not a taunt, if that's not a challenge, if that's not the enemy saying, hey, nothing God can do. I'll do whatever I feel like doing. I don't know what is. Now, the people listening, I, ho- I don't know about you. If, you were, if, if I were one of the people listening, I would be afraid. If I didn't know God, I would be afraid. And sometimes what happens is that we, we, turn, we tune our ears to those kind of voices. We tune our ears in life to saying, there's nothing you can do, there's nothing God can do. I had this whole thing under my control. And we start listening to that, we start panicking. We start getting afraid. We start fearing. We start despairing. We start wondering, well, Lord, maybe, maybe you're not strong enough. Maybe this is something you can't handle. There are problems that we face in life that often lead us to despair. Martha says to Jesus, Lord, if you would have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. 
sometimes we, 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 um, um, <laughs> we pray um, uh, we pray like the, 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 the disciples in the boat as the storm's there and it's raining and it's stormy and it's starting to flood the boat and here's Jesus sleeping in the front of the boat and you're like trying to bail the water. He's like, don't you care, teacher? Get up, don't you ever die in here? We feel like our boat, our boat is... Our bite or boat? <laughs> I don't know if it's the, uh, the, the coffee I drank or, or what. My mouth's not working right. Da, 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 you know, slow down. We say, teacher, don't you care? We're perishing. Lord, don't you care? Don't you see what's going on in my life? Have you guys ever been there before? We pray with the psalmist, Lord, why do you stand off so afar? As he says in Psalm 10, why do you stand afar, O Lord? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? Like when I most need you, Lord, where are you? And we say, look, can you have prevented this from happening? Can you have prevented that from happening? Why am I in this place where I'm calling out to you and I don't hear anything? Have you guys been a place where God is silent? How long, O oh Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you fi- hide your face from me? How long will I take counsel of my soul, having sorrow in my heart all the day long? How long will my enemy be exalted over me? Sometimes we face problems in life. We face marriage problems. We face not getting along with our wife. And we just don't see any way. And we, 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 we don't see it working out, right? Uh, and so you have marriage struggles and you have people go through divorce and then they're like, what happened? Or husband and wife, they're living together like they're roommates, but they're no, there's no longer a connection there. And there's, and they feel helpless because it's like we've been through this road over and over again and nothing's changing. Lord, is there any help for us? We're losing this, we're least, Losing, I don't see, right? Some of us have kids who have, who have gone the wrong direction. We have kids who are, who are we have, some of us have kids who, who are doing everything we can to pour into their lives so that they don't go in the wrong direction. But then there's some kids that are like, Mom and Dad, I don't care what you say, I'm going to do what I want. And they just do their prodigal. And we hope and pray to God that everything we instilled in them was enough to at least give them a little bit. And we know when we pray, we trust God and say, hey, if you tramp your trial the way you should go, God will bring it back, right? But at the same time, there's a point of trust. Lord, will they come back? That's my baby. And sometimes our kids go a direction and a depth and an area that goes deeper and deeper down, 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 down. And we feel like the people on the wall saying there's no hope. Some of us, if, if we were honest, we, get, we look at the news and we get despair. You can't go on whatever news network or Twitter or whatever and not get despair because it's all bad news, isn't it? I don't know about you, but there's good news in this book, isn't there? I, I mean, <laughs> you know, let's, you know, back in, uh, back, I grew up in Buffalo, um, remember Channel 29, Channel 29 on the weekends had something called Good News. It was like, it was probably a Christian thing, right? Like a little, you remember that? That's my mom. So they had a thing called Good News on the weekends. It was on some short program, probably teaching the gospel. Good news. We need some good news, don't we? Because it's easy to get our, 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 our sight on the enemy and how strong he is, how powerful he is, and he is a powerful enemy, right? And we forget about the God that we have on our side, don't we? And we say, they're all the same. Nothing changes. We lose hope and despair. Some of us have faced long-standing problems, complex problems that are too complex to handle in a 45-minute, 30-minute sermon, but things that go deep, deep, deep down, right? Things that, that God has to do is he has to cross that Sea of Galilee 
and rescue you from that legion of demons that have been infiltrated your life, you know? That only Christ has to do. And those, those are problems, those are situations that he knows about. Some of us have been told, hey, you're sick, you're mental, and you'll always be that way. You will always be a blank. You'll never amount to anything. You'll always be a blank. And so you walk around saying, well, I'm a blank because somebody told me I am a blank. Guess that's what I am. I must be a blank. And we forget the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ is the power of God to set people free and to change people's lives, right? Amen? He's the one who nobody else was able to rescue us, but Christ was, and he is. A lot of us live in fear. We live in fear but that, 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 that the enemy is too powerful. We live in fear. Some of us live in a fear or we live in a place of dashed hopes. What do I mean by that? Some of us are so hopeful, so hopeful of things, always hopeful, but we're always let down. We have big expectations and big hopes, and time and time and time again, people let us down. And then we become hopeful, but yet cynical. Uh, this happens in marriages. Not my marriage, of course, you know, but <laughs> yeah. it happens in marriages. Honey, I trust you, but I believe you, but you failed me in the past, so I'm a little less trust, less hopeful than I was. And it comes this vicious cycle. And what happens is that people who have been dashed so much come to a place where they just are, they keep people at arm's, at arm's length. They, they, they don't let people in. They want to trust and hope, but then they, because they've been dashed. <laughs> I, mean, this, I, mean, I mean, maybe I should stand in the light, actually. <laughs> well, you know. Where's my sunglasses, you know? I actually can see in the light here. Now, why do people go that? Why, why, why do people who face problems, why do we lose hope? There's four reasons, okay? Four reasons. Four reasons. There's simple, simple reasons. Here's why. Here's what. Four reasons. First reason when they look at their circumstances, when often when we look at our circumstances, first reason, we can't. We can't handle the circumstance. There's no way out. We look and say, yes, Sennacherib, you're a big army. Assyrians, you're powerful. I can't, you're, you're right, I can't handle this. We look and we can't handle it. We see no hope because all we see is what we see, Right? These are circumstances beyond our control. Now, how many of you guys, are like me, we want to control our lives, right? You know, <laughs> you know, how many of you guys get mad when things don't go your way on the day? Come on, like nobody's... Um. You know, you get up in the morning, you have your, your agenda for the day, you know, and then, I mean, something that's not in your agenda happens and you're like frustrated, okay, I'll deal with that, but life is never in our control. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> We're never in control of our life. Ever, 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 ever. And the more we try to be in control of life, the more frustrated we get because we realize we're less and less control. And here's what happens. Not only are we not in control of our own life, we can look at other people and say, well, if they only did such and such, we want to control them. Right? And we get frustrated at them. Well, if they would just have listened to my advice, because I have my life in control, they should have theirs. In fact, I can help them with theirs as well. Maybe I should start like a, um, I don't know, support group or something, you know, or a ministry for how to control your life. But people who lose hope recognize even if they're ones who can control their life, when God allows things in your life that are beyond your control, they give up hope. Because all along they've been relying on their own control of things. And now here's a situation that is way bigger than them. 
and they give up hope. So that's the first reason. We can't. We see circumstances beyond control. We can't heal it. We can't control it. We don't see any way out. Second reason, we won't. We can't. We won't. What I mean by we won't is these are things that we don't want to address. These are things that we don't want to handle. These are things that we don't want to adjust our normal things to, normal life to. Does that make sense? If, if it's not working this way, and I've been doing it this way, and I can't, some of us don't want to try a different way. But Lord, we've been fishing all night, you know, professional fishermen, you know, we know what we're talking about, Lord. I don't know about you, I got my PhD in fishing, Lord. I know you're a rabbi, thank you very much. But let, us, let the experts do what we know how to do. Jesus says, now throw the net on the other side of the boat. Okay, Lord, if, if you say so. You, you can hear the, the little hesitation on Peter's voice, right? But since you say so. Okay, roll the eyes, right? How many guys are, are like that? All right, Lord, I don't think this is going to work. You know, I think I'm, I'm in for a total embarrassment, you know? Something about God knowing what he's doing, you know, but sometimes he tells you things and tweaks things in your life that you don't think are going to work. Maybe if you encourage your husband and pray for him rather than cutting him down, he might be a nicer person to you. Oh, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to step on until toes. Maybe if, if perhaps, <laughs> I don't know, I better, it wasn't directed at anyone here. I just, things just, you know, things just pop into your head. You know, they just... But the willingness, the unwillingness to change your normal direction, then you lose hope. Because all you know is you know how to do this, and this is what you want to do, and those two things aren't working, and so you lose hope. Third reason, and these all tie into the story, by the way. Third reason why we uh, give up hope is that we think God can't. We can't, we won't, God can't. This is too big for God. The Syrians say, you think God's going to help you? God isn't able to stop the Assyrians at all. And here we're surrounding you, you're outnumbered. Hey, we'll lend you a couple chariots if you can find some people brave enough to ride them, but good luck. Nobody's going to help you. This is something even God can't handle. God ever faced a suit? Now, I don't know about you, but there's every time we face a new trial in life, you know, when we go through trials and God teaches us things and we go on our knees, we see th- a new trial oftentimes is a little bit harder than the next one. We're like, Lord, I know you're faithful and able to do that stuff in the past, but this is something new. Now, have you, you know, I can, you know, can, I, can you handle this? Is a, this is a new thing, you know? It's kind of like your kids, right? How many of you guys have teenage kids or growing up? You guys have kids? I always liked this to my mom and dad when I was, when I was probably like my kid's age. She's, my little daughter just turned 17. I knew it all. Don't tell me. Don't tell me how to live my life. I got it all figured out, right? I didn't even know how to balance a checkbook. I didn't, know how to, I didn't have anything. I, I had it all figured out. You guys, you guys, hey, listen, this is 2018. You guys are so 19, 60, 78, whatever age you're from. You're so long time ago. You're so 15 minutes ago, Dad. We don't, talk, we don't, no, no. See, you just can't reach us. We don't, life's different now. That was then, but this is now. You're so old school. You're old-fashioned, you know? And we do that to God, don't we? God? Yeah, you know, it's one thing to, you know, the Israelites and Jesus and everything else, but this is 2018. We have technology now. And we're putting people on, well, on the moon and Mars or, or whatever we think we're going to do. And we've cured cancer, not, but we've done a lot of things, you know. So this is something that's, you know, we have technology. We have people with PhDs who know how to now give you a medical, uh, you know, stuff and help you with some medicine. It's like the guy from the, the guy from the Super Bowl. What is it, the Super Bowl? Who... Um, all that technology and stuff. Remember that from the Super Bowl a couple years ago? He was so nervous, the spokesman for, uh, 
yeah, World Series maybe, whatever it was. We have technology and stuff, Lord. We don't, we don't dress that way. This is stuff you haven't seen before. That's how we do with God, don't we? We say, God, you can't, this is out of your control too? Sorry. The fourth reason, of course, you probably can figure it out, is God won't. We can't, we won't, God can't, God won't. We don't think God want, wants to. This must be God's will. He, he doesn't care anymore. He obviously doesn't care because I'm going through this. I feel alone. Have you guys ever felt alone through something? Come on. You're going through something that you can't handle. It's so difficult. You're on your face before God and you hear nothing. You hear silence. And you read the Bible and you're like, Lord, you spoke to the guys every Tuesday, right? Out of the voice out of the sky, Patty, go to such and such a house and do, I mean, we read the Bible like things happen every, you know, and we're like, Lord, I want to hear your voice. And more often than not, God speaks through his silence. We just don't understand that. <laughs> But oftentimes, he allows the silence in our life to work something in us and to deepen us in our faith and our character. And our it's interesting how, how Peter, is it Peter or is it Paul? Now I'm losing my, Peter, Paul, and Mary, right? Um, that hope is tied to character development of faith. That the waiting on God, the leaning on God, develops something within your spirit and heart. That would not have happened had God spoken to you every single time. Why would you have to trust God or trust somebody? If, does that make sense? And so, <clears throat> the smart thing to do, of course, you know, is like, well, how, how, do, you turn this, how do you turn this hopelessness to hope? Well, look, let's go look at, uh, look, look at Isaiah. Back to, back to Isaiah real fast. <clears throat> Chapter 37, look what it says. Or twenty-one at verse, uh, chapter 36, verse, 20, verse 21 says that they were silent and answer, did not answer him a word. For the king's command, Hezekiah said, hey, don't answer them, Nathan, just be quiet. They come back to Hezekiah, their clothes are torn, they're, they're, uh, they're upset. And verse, thir- verse 1 of chapter 37 says, and when King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, which was a sign of sort of repentance and also a sign of weeping and a sign of just utter despair. He covered himself with sackcloth and entered the house of the Lord. And then he sent Eliakim, who was over the household, with Shebna, the scribe, and the elders of the priests, covered with sackcloth, to Hezekiah, the pro- to Isaiah the prophet, rather, the son of Amos. So here's Hezekiah, and here's what he does, a smart thing. So this, he does a smart thing. He turns to God. And he says, listen, I know we can't handle the situation. We are in a hopeless situation. We are utterly surrounded. The Assyrians, yeah, they are the, they are the strong army. And there is no way that we can fight these people. That much is clear. But we do have a God that's on our side. We do have a God that will climb mountains and cross seas and in pursuit of us. He'll search us out looking for us, looking for that one lost sheep that has wandered away. That's the kind of God we serve. Hezekiah sends for Isaiah the prophet, and it says in verse 3, And then they said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, rebuke, and rejection, for children have come to birth, and there is no strength to deliver. Perhaps the Lord your God will hear the words of Rapshakov, that's the Assyrian spokesman, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to reproach, reproach the living God and will rebuke the words which the Lord your God has heard. Therefore, offer a prayer for the remnant that is left. They're turning to God, which is the smart thing to do, because they're, they're, doing the, they're, they're, they're turning their despair into hope. So how do you turn your despair into hope? How do you turn your hopelessness into hope? Three things. Three things, okay? First thing. This is what they do here. First thing is trust in God. Trust in the person of God. Don't trust in people. See, a lot of us trust in people. Trust in the person of God. Put your hope in God, not in people. Here's the problem. The problem in our life a lot of times is that we put our hope in people, right? We say, well, and we can... I don't, um, 
maybe this one's the answer to our problems. Maybe this politician will solve the world's problems. No, they won't. They're all human beings. They're all in need of God's help as the rest of us are. Maybe this one will be the cure. We put our hope out for people to change. We wait for them to change. We wait for a better politician, a better leader, a better spouse, a better job. Maybe this spouse will do better. No, they won't because you're the same person that you were with the other spouse and nothing's changed, you know? Changing geography, changing relationship does not change what you're looking for, right? God is the one we are to hope for. God has not abandoned us. Put your hope in God. Even though circumstances look like he's out of the picture, looks like, looks like he's not willing, he's not able, put your hope in God. The psalmist says, I hope in you, O Lord, because you will answer, O Lord my God. The psalmist also says in Psalm 42, Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God. There's despair, there's what you see, there's what you don't understand, there's something beyond your control, then there's a choice, but I'm going to hope in God. Do you know what Paul says? Look at, look at Romans real fast. Look at Romans 15. Romans 15. Why are you doing that? I'm going to take a sip. I don't even know how much time I went, so is that okay? You guys get on time? No ball games to go to? No. Daniel, Cowboys aren't playing tonight? Oh, next week, Okay. We're praying, we're praying for deliverance for, for Daniel and the Cowboys. I'm kidding. <laughs> okay, Romans, watch this. In Romans 15, just a little side note here. Look what, what um, verse 4, watch this. Because we're, we, we're, we're studying the Bible every day in church, all the time in church, right? And we're learning things, you know? <clears throat> For whatever was written in earlier times, it's 15 verse 4 of Romans, whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction that through perseverance and the encouragement of scriptures we might have what? Hope. The same God who did all the stuff that we read in scriptures, the same God that we serve today, right? He hasn't changed. Times have changed, but he hasn't changed. God was able back then as he is today. Put your hope in God. If you're in despair, say, Lord, I'm going to hope in you. My husband won't change. My wife won't change. My situation may not change, but I'm going to hope in God. That's where hope should be in the, in, in the first place. Because God, he may not do things the way you like him, but he'll never disappoint. My soul, wait in silence for God only, for my hope is from him. You are my hope, O Lord. You are my confidence from my youth. But as for me, I will hope continually, and I will praise you more and more. You know, those who put their hope in God, there's things that happen. They trust, they they see God do things. Many of us are waiting for answer prayers because we're trying to control everything, and we're not resting and hoping in God. God. And sometimes God's answer is not yet. Sometimes his answer is just, just wait. And, and, and sometimes we're like, okay, Lord, I'm, I'm waiting, but <laughs> aren't we getting late? Isn't the, isn't the train going to leave, Lord? Some of you guys are thinking right now of a situation where you see no hope, and I'm encouraging you right now, trust in God, hope in God. Your problem is not the person next to you. Your problem is, and your hope should be in God. Trust in him. There's a peace that happens when you trust in God. There's a steadfast, as Isaiah 26 says, that the steadfast of mind you will keep in perfect peace because he trusts in you. There's a gladness, there's a joy happens in knowing. That's why Jesus is sleeping on the boat because he knows God's in control, right? Go back to Isaiah. For the first point, in turning hopelessness or despair to hope, trust his person. The second is when you are facing trials or circumstances, trust his perspective. Go back to Isaiah. Go back to Isaiah. Watch this. <clears throat> Go back and let's read some more. Verse 5. So the servants of Hezekiah came to Isaiah, and Isaiah said to them, 
thus you shall say to your master, thus says the Lord. So now, here's the, here's the thing. Hezekiah has sent a message to the prophet Isaiah. Isaiah, hey, we're in a, big, we're, we're in a world of hurt here. We need some help. We need a word from God. Isaiah says, okay, tell Isaiah this, or tell, tell Hezekiah this from the Lord. Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard which, which, with which the servants of the king of Assyria has blasphemed me. Behold, I will put a spirit in him so that he will hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I will make him fall by the sword in his own land. Then Rabshakeh, the spokesman for the Assyrians, returned and found the king of Assyria fighting against Libna, for he had heard that the king of, had led, uh, left Lachish, and when he had heard them saying concerning Turkna and the king of Cush, he has come out to fight against you, uh, he sent messengers to Hezekiah, saying, Thus you will say to Hezekiah, king of Judah, Do not let your God in whom you trust deceive you, saying, Jerusalem shall not be given into the hand of the king of, of, uh, of Assyria. Behold, you have heard what the kings of Assyria have done to all the lands, destroying them completely, so you will be, so you will be spared. Do the gods of those nations which my fathers have destroyed deliver them? And he goes on and names other ones. Where is the king of Hamath and these other places? Listen, hey, listen. Here's what he's saying. The king of Assyria had to go back and take care of business, but don't let that make you confident that that king and the Assyrians will come back and take over. Don't, don't get confident that God's doing something here. But Isaiah speaks, he says, listen, God's going to send him back and he's going to kill the king. God already knows. Here's the thing. God's perspective is he knows. He kind of sees things different, doesn't he? he? Doesn't he see... I mean, we see what we see, and God sees what he sees. In God's perspective, it's, I have everything under control. I can handle the situation, and I, I will. Sometimes we need a change of perspective. Sometimes we need where God has to open our eyes to what he's doing. Sometimes it's like, Lord, I don't see what you're doing, but I'm going to trust that you are seeing things from a different perspective and that you have it under control. Don't allow the things that you see in your life to think that's all there is. I see no way out. There, listen, nothing is impossible with God. God always has a way out. I can, I can preach a whole sermon on, on a series on this, this, one, this one point. Trust his perspective. Sometimes... Sometimes God doesn't need to change your circumstances, but your perspective. Sometimes what you see is not the whole picture. Don't let your circumstances be the vision of God. Here's what happens. The enemy, the enemy always points out what God's not doing. The enemy always points out what God is not doing. Well, if God cared, but he's not doing, he's not taking you out of this. The enemy points out things that God is not doing. Hey, God's not letting you in on a little secret. That tree is going to be good for you, Eve. He always points you into what's not happening. Your perspective becomes distorted because all you see is what's not happening. His perspective is like, that should be your tree, Eve. And Adam, God's perspective is different. Um, no, that she's dangerous. So the enemy always points you to what, you, what God's not doing. Hope says, I see all that God is doing. And God's doing a lot more than I can imagine, a lot more, lot more behind the scenes than I realize. Faith points to what God is doing in your struggle, there's more than meets the eye. <clears throat> the presence of your problems does not, mean the absence of, does not mean the absence of God. He's there. The presence of your problems does not, mean the in, does not mean the inability of God. He is able. The presence of your problems does not mean the apathy of God. He is willing. And the presence of your problems not, does not mean the uncontrol of God. The, this brings us to the third point. Last point, and I'll, I'll finish To bring from despair to hope, trust his person, trust his perspective. Thirdly, trust his plan. Trust that God has a plan for what you're going through. 
<laughs> I, don't, I don't know about you, but sometimes I'm like, I wonder, what, Lord, why am I even going, what's the purpose of all this? You ever asked that? You've gone through a trial? Oh, sorry. Microphone. I, I've gone through trials before I've prayed. I've, I've, I don't know, I've, I've literally have been on my knees like this. It's out of my control. It's not my will. <laughs> Begging God. Pointing to Scripture. Lord, you said this. And holding on. And I believed, right? Not knowing that God had a purpose in that trial that had to be done in my life. Some of us have walked certain very difficult roads because God was developing character in us and he's also preparing us because guess what? There may be other people that you're going to lead down the same road and say, I know what you've been through and the Lord has taught me greatly. Let me help you out. Nine times out of time, I think that's often a purpose. It's if, if God using us for, for some purpose in, in the future <clears throat> um, gives us, to, to give us hope. Oh boy. Uh, yes, I should, have, I should have started my timer. Shoot. I don't know how long I've gone. Have, Daniel, how long have I gone? Does it matter? I know it doesn't matter. I just. Okay. Oh, we're good. We're good. Okay. We'll just go another two hours. Yeah, just kidding. So. God says, there's a, there's a ring. I don't have it on right now. And I have it, uh, it's in Hebrew. It's from uh, Israel, and it's Jeremiah 29. For I know the plans I have for you, you know. And uh, there's times when, I, when maybe I'm going through a difficult time where I, I'll wear it, and I'll, I'll just touch it as a reminder. Like God is good, and he's able, but he has a purpose for what he's bringing me through. And hopefully in that purpose, the purpose is to bring me into a more intimate relationship with him to learn more, more of his faithfulness, more of his kindness and grace that I wouldn't have learned by reading a book or a textbook or reading about somebody, but actually traveling with, with him, with him by my side or him with me as I journey and having to face that with Jesus. You guys have done that before? Um, where the Lord is so faithful to you that you learn things of him in those times, in those trials. That looking back after going through it, you wouldn't trade that for anything. You say, I learned, I received some great lessons in those times of near despair because I learned the faithfulness of our Savior. I learned the power of our God, the presence of our God, the kindness of our God, the goodness of our God, the grace of our God through those experiences. And where I was one time near despair and hopelessness, he was the one that held me up. Where I felt like I couldn't go on, he was my strength. Where I didn't know which way to go, he was my path. That's our God. That's Christ. That's who we serve. That's who we worship. Do you know what's interesting? If you read the book of Revelation, you read the book of Revelation, you say, well, what's the book of Revelation about? We think, well, it's about predicting the future, right? How many guys are, uh, read Revelation? Oh, I want to find out the future. When is, when is the rapture? Is it 1984, 94, 2004, whatever it is, right? We want to know what's going to happen in the future. The book and the purpose of the book of Revelation has nothing to do with that. Here's what happens. Go to Revelation 20. I want to show you something real fast. This, will, this, will, uh, this goes along with our last point. That God has a plan in all this. Despite all the problems in the world, despite all the problems that we see in life, and yes, Bad things are happening in this world, but the good news is this. Chapter 20, Satan himself is bound. Eventually, Satan and hell and the grave and death are bound up and thrown into the lake of fire. No more, no more of that stuff, right? Eventually, when you come to the end of the story, when you come to the end of the story, <clears throat> there is no more death. 
There is no, no more um, temptation. There, there's, there's no more Satan and no more... Oh, they're all going to be thrown into the lake of fire, right? And then chapter 21, there's a new heavens and new earth. Everything is brand new, right? Here's the point of Revelation. Here's the point of this. God's plan will be done. At the end, God wins. What started out in Genesis chapter 3 is the fall. God says, I'm going to send somebody who's going to crush that serpent's head, crush that serpent and defeat him. Long story short, at the end, that same serpent who led this whole world into what we are now is going to be defeated once and for all. And God's plan will be done. And in the end, God does win. When you read the book of Revelation, if you were in the first century, you would have been encouraged say, Okay, it's not a losing battle. Yes, it looks terrible for when we it, the circumstances are, are terrible, but in the end, God wins every time. Whatever the circumstances you're facing in your life, God will always win. He may be teaching you some things along the way. He may allow you some terrible things in your life, may allow some difficult things in your life, but He will always win. His ways will always win. His will will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I get an amen? So when you think that things are getting hopeless, remember who God is. Trust his person, trust his perspective, and trust that he's got a plan. He knows what he's doing. He's not done yet. He's certainly not done with your husband or your wife, you know. I mean, I, she, he's, my, my wife's far, far ahead of the journey than I am, you know. But he's not done with us. He's working things out. Our kids, he's working on them too. Keep praying for them. You know as, that, that God's will will be done and praise the Lord. Praise the Lord because at the end of the day, he'll be glorified. And guess what happens? King Hezekiah, long story short, trust the Lord. You know what happens? That night, 185,000 Assyrian army men died outside the walls of Jerusalem. Guess what? You can go to Israel t- today. We were there. Patty was on a trip with me. Couple years, several years ago, and in the in the city of Jerusalem, there's a section of that wall, and they have found Assyrian like spears and armament outside the wall as a testimony. As a testimony that God actually did this, and they were spared, and God won, and hopelessness was turned to hope. It's my signal to stop teaching. <laughs> Let's praise the Lord. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much that, God, you are a God of all hope. You're a God who reaches down. You're a God who, who, who rescues us. You're a God who, who's, who's, whose will will be done. You're a God who is willing and able. You can and you will and you have. You have rescued us through... Uh, very dire circumstances of, uh, of us falling into sin, and you sent Jesus Christ, your Son, to save us from hell, to save us from being separated from you. And God, where those who have died without Christ are without hope, those of us who are in Christ have hope. Our hope is in Jesus. And we thank you and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's worship the Lord.